We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. And today we are previewing Indiana's homecoming game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's a huge game for Indiana. Big, big opportunity uh, to guarantee a winning record uh, outside of the, you know, getting through the month of October with uh, five wins. Major, major game, important game uh, in terms of that, getting, getting that fifth win before Penn State comes in uh, next week and then having to travel to Minnesota and heading into November with a lot on their plate uh, and a lot to, to get done. Uh, some other news for Indiana, some news on Morgan Ellison. We'll touch on that as well. Uh, Indiana, so the homecoming game this week kicks off at noon. It's at Memorial Stadium, of course. And it'll be broadcast on ESPN2. So check your local listings for ESPN2 at noon. Uh, tune into the game. Tune into Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we'll be on Twitter and all that. Make sure you print your bingo cards. Get that done. Send us in your winners. And we'll uh, we'll have fun breaking down the game and, and getting right to it. Indiana comes into this matchup at 4-2, and 1-2 two, and two in the Big Ten. Uh, Iowa comes in at... Four and one, one and one in the Big Ten and receiving votes. Iowa's coming off a win at Minnesota, 48 31, after losing a close one at home to Wisconsin, 28 17. They've beaten Northern Illinois, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa. And that is Iowa's rundown. And now we welcome in TJ Inman to the show. TJ, how are you tonight? Yeah, I'm doing great. At, uh... We're halfway through the season, which is really hard to believe. Uh, but, you know, this is a cold stretch here for the Hoosiers, no doubt about that. I'm pumped to get it going. Yeah, a huge stretch bringing in a, a two-game homestand with Iowa and Penn State. Indiana needs to split, uh, get out of it at 5-3 and three before heading to Minnesota and into that open week uh, before wrapping up the season with the final three games of Maryland at home at Michigan and, of course, the bucket game, which will be played in Bloomington. But some significant news coming out of Bloomington this morning uh, or late last night, T.J. Morgan Ellison is facing a two-and-a-half-year suspension from the university uh, for sexual assault. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because it's going to distract everybody from a huge game uh, in Bloomington. Uh, But my initial thoughts on this were I don't think IU handled it well from a PR standpoint. I thought Tom Allen did the right thing, suspending him indefinitely, uh, saying that at the beginning of the year, 
I forgot which week it was, but it, the decision was out of his hands. It was in the university's hands a couple uh, about a week ago. He was asked on a teleconference what the deal was with Morgan Ellison, said he was back practicing. I thought that was a big mistake on his part to answer that question, uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, it's I, – I don't think Tom Allen handled it poorly. I, I think from a PR standpoint, it was handled poorly. It's something that IU should have jumped out ahead on. It looks like, you know – Nobody knows what's going on uh, from a university standpoint and an athletic standpoint uh, to me that, you know, he's back practicing. And then a week later um, or a couple of days later, it comes out that he's suspended for two and a half years. You got to assume that his career at Indiana is done and that he'll move on two and a half years would put it probably use up all his eligibility uh, it would, if you count this year, uh, this year as being a, a redshirt year, uh, and then start. I, I don't know when the clock would start, but you'd assume it's next semester, so it would be a half, and then uh, two more seasons would would put him into uh, like a redshirt senior year. So you could you could bet he'll be he'll be moving on. Uh, IU doesn't need that type of person on campus. And I can't stress that enough. You know, people have the right to feel safe at the school that they go to. And uh, what he did was inexcusable, although it's, it's all alleged uh, and you got to hear both sides, but uh, there was enough evidence to suspend him for two and a half years uh, and and do that. So uh, every student has a right to feel safe. There is no room for this at Indiana University. There's no room for it on the Indiana football team. And I just wish that they had handled it better because every every time you see another school do this, you got to learn. you got to get out in front of it um, and, and get on the same page. And to, to me, it didn't sound like Indiana was on the same page as itself. Uh, but he, he needed to go, uh, deserved to go. And, and we'll see how Indiana moves on from there. Right now, to me, this matter is settled. Uh, he never played in a game this year. He was still under suspension while practicing, uh, according to Tom Allen. So while he was practicing, and, and some people might think of it as, as a lessening of a sentence, uh, he's suspended for two and a half years. I think you know maybe an expulsion would fly over better uh, with fans and, and people around the university, uh, but a two and a half year suspension is, is basically an expulsion for uh, this uh, for Morgan Ellis and TJ. What are your quick thoughts on uh, the whole situation? Well, obviously, it's uh, fortunate at you know at absolute best. I mean, you can't uh, can't stress enough that. This is way, way, way above football. Uh, you know, Morgan Ellison was a solid player uh, that, you know, it seemed like had a pretty good future. Uh, however, you cannot put yourself into a situation where uh, these allegations could even be close to true. Um, and if if even parts of what is alleged 
is reality, uh, then Morgan Ellison should not be have the privilege of, of playing football for Indiana University. Um, from a criminal standpoint, charges have not been filed. Um, it's important that we stress that as well. Uh, but, you know, you do not have to uh, – the same standards for, you know, putting someone in jail are not the standards that you have for giving them the privilege of, you know, attending classes at IU and being a football player at IU. You know, it's a different standard. You do not have to prove without a, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt uh, that Foreman Ellison is guilty of what's alleged. Um, so, you know, I, I I understand from a pre-R standpoint it could have been handled uh, differently. However, I, I, you know, I am be somewhat proud and relieved that uh, Indiana took pretty swift action with this, spending him indefinitely uh, early in the process and really he never got close to playing a game uh, for Indiana. So uh, this season, of course, and, and that, you know, to me, that uh, that's a positive because we have seen other, other schools where, uh, you know, Morgan Ellison would have been playing until there was a ruling made. Um, and that's, you know, that's their, their prerogative to handle it that way. I'm glad that Indiana didn't allow him to play while this uh, sorted itself out. So, um, and from a, you know, Indiana roster standpoint, as we pivot to football, uh, yeah, moving to next year, IU has replaced that running back spot on the roster, it looks like, with uh, with a heck of a recruit, uh, four-star tailback from Avon, uh, flipped from Ohio State to Indiana, making, uh, you know, making that backfield look pretty darn exciting. Uh, as IU added both David Ellis and uh, and Samson James here in the past week. Samson James is a guy that, um, you know, I know Jeff Rapjohns uh, of Peaks has said has, in his opinion, which he's not a football expert, he makes that, you know, well-known, but Jeff knows what he's talking about. Uh, if, yeah, according to him, Samson James has as much potential coming out of high school as any running back he has seen in the state of Indiana uh, since he began covering IU sports. And that's, you know, that's been a while. Uh, it's really saying something. Um, you know, he harkens back to Darren Evans uh, from uh, was 2005 or six. Uh, I could be off on that, but Darren Evans uh, went to Virginia Tech and, and had a tremendous a uh, couple of seasons in Blacksburg. So, you know, Samson James is a guy that is going to immediately step in uh, where Morgan Ellison, uh, where his roster spot was. And I, I think that's a, a big development, not just from a roster standpoint, but also from a in-state recruiting standpoint. I mean, that's a four-star, borderline five-star kid that Ohio State still wanted. They definitely still wanted him. Uh, and he chose to flip to Indiana, and that's that's really really positive for the Hoosiers. Uh, Mike Hart, Tom Allen, and whoever else recruited that kid uh, to get him to to come to Bloomington is a, a big coup. Yeah, and that makes winning 
so much more important so you could keep this class, which is now ranked in the top 40 by all three, yeah. uh, all three outlets uh, there. So, it, you know, start winning game, continue to win games, uh, get to a bowl game. And, and really those 15 practices from December um, after Thanksgiving uh, into the bowl game are huge for a team that's this young. Let's talk about Iowa, uh, TJ. They come in at, at, uh, four and one. They've not really had a marquee win uh, just yet. They beat Iowa State, who was receiving votes at the time. They destroyed Northern Illinois in the season opener, who was receiving votes uh, at the time. They lost a, a big matchup at home to Wisconsin, uh, who was ranked 16th. And then they they beat the pants off of Minnesota 48-31 last week. It, it's a Hawkeyes team that really doesn't do anything great, but they do a lot of things well. And they're a typical Iowa team uh, where they, they're they just solid everything, and you, and you come out of the stadium shaking your head like, how did we lose to this team? They're, they're not that great, but they don't shoot themselves in the foot all that often. Uh, they've got some really good players uh, in Noah Fant, Nate Stanley, and they uh, that defense, which – had a lot of holes still, uh, especially at the linebacker position, has not found its setting. They, they're ranked, uh, they're ranked in, uh, third in the Big Ten in, in total uh, in scoring defense. They're ranked uh, number two in, in total defense, uh, which is passing, which is just total yards per game. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know that. So they don't give up a ton of yards. They don't give up a ton of points. It's going to be uh, a slosh uh, for Indiana. And and this is a game, to me, TJ, is you have to get the running game going. You can't become one-dimensional like you they were against uh, Ohio State in terms of just abandoning the run game, uh, you know, after, after Stevie Scott's uh, run in the first quarter. This is a team that you're you're going to need to do both. You're going to have to take your shots downfield uh, against a, a secondary that has two true freshmen uh, against a, a receiving core that's really really solid and, and really coming into their own uh, as well. And so this this matchup it, it, it's almost even match. I was going to be a five point favorite coming into the game. It looks like according to Las Vegas. It's a game that it should be a very pro IU crowd. Uh, it isn't you know your top five undefeated Iowa team where they have that once a decade season and everybody travels. Iowa's a it's a longer trip, a longer trip car. Sure, there'll be some Iowa fans there, but they're not going to take over the state like they did in 2015. This will be a very pro IU homecoming crowd, and I think if they could come out, if, if IU could come out and. Uh, get that place rocking early, it's going to be a tough environment for Iowa. I mean, the Hawkeyes uh, last week was really interesting because I thought I had a really good read uh, on what they were. Uh, and then last week, you know, they go out and nearly put up 50. Um, you know, re-watching that game, watching it, I should say, I didn't watch it live, so uh, caught the rebroadcast of it. Um you know, a lot of those points can be attributed to Minnesota errors. Uh, now, Iowa had something to do with that. The Hawkeyes forced uh, forced four turnovers, 
uh, interceptions by Enixstad, um, you know, so that had something to do with it. But but Iowa's offense did look good in that game, uh, and that's not something that I could say about uh, a couple of their other contests, which had me thinking that their offense was pretty poor outside of their tight ends. Uh, so, you know, last week was interesting. It kind of made me rethink things um, because their defense also struggled somewhat. You know, against Wisconsin, they gave up 28, and I don't think they played particularly well. Uh, and against Minnesota, you know, the Gophers, yes, they made a lot of mistakes, but they still threw for well over 300 yards. So that's a bit surprising to me, and I think it does offer some hope that IU, while they need to take care of the ball, you know, that vertical passing game, which we saw a little bit uh, against Ohio State, that needs to continue. IU needs to continue to be aggressive um, and and let Peyton Ramsey take some shots down the field that he's got to connect on them. Um, You know, we've seen him miss on that that throw to, uh, to Reese Taylor a couple of times. Uh, we've seen him miss on a few other deep balls. Uh, he he's going to have to be good on Saturday. And um, but but the opportunities are going to the Ohio the Iowa secondary uh, is not nearly as good as it was last season, uh, and they're banged up a little bit. I think there's an opportunity for the Hoosiers uh, to hit some deep plays. I think Hale and Westbrook uh, are an issue for the Iowa corners. Um, yeah, we don't know the status of Wapfilia or Luke Timian. It'd be huge to get those guys back, uh, particularly um, Wapfilia, because I, I think he provides a speed element that, an explosion element that uh, could be a problem for Iowa as well. Um, now, you know, their pass rush is, is fine. It's not elite, but it's fine. Um, and their linebackers are, are good. They, they miss Josie Jewell obviously, but, you know, it's still a good group Uh, on the other side of the ball. uh, They've struggled to run the ball. Their running backs are are not special. Uh, They haven't shown that yet this season. Uh, Nate Stanley doesn't really provide a running threat. So that's, uh, you know, he reminds me quite a bit uh, of Brian Lewerke in terms of passing. He just doesn't provide the, the running threat that Lewerke does. I do think Stanley takes a little bit better care of the ball than Lewerke, Um makes a little bit better decisions. But overall, throwing, I think they're pretty similar. Now what uh, what Iowa has that Michigan State doesn't is a pair of really good tight ends. Uh, Michigan State's yeah. receivers are a lot better than Iowa's, but uh, the tight ends for Iowa, it's as, uh, really as good of a one-two punch at tight end as you're going to see in the country. Noah Fance is probably going to be the first tight end selected in the 2019 NFL draft, barring, uh, you know, some developments that are unforeseen right now. Um, he's a huge red zone target for them. He already has five touchdowns on the season. Uh, definitely the guy that they look for when they get inside of scoring territory. Uh, he's somebody that I use going to have to find a way to match up with them. Now, you don't have to use a spy on the quarterback this game. Uh, so, you know, I think if you want to go with a speedier option, you put a Cam Jones or a Marcelino Ball on Noah Fant. If you're going bigger, uh, maybe a, a TD Roof or a, 
uh, Raquan Jones as kind of your bigger linebacker option. But uh, whatever you do, uh, he's a difficult matchup. And then their other tight end, T.J. Hawkinson, you know, he has, I think, he's their leading receiver. Yeah, he has two catches fewer than Fant, but uh, by far the most yards for them. Uh, I think he's over 280 uh, in yardage. So, you know, Fant is certainly the red zone guy, uh, and the scoring zone guy, while uh, a threat all over the field, really. You can't ignore him at any point. Um, and then Hawkinson is kind of their go-to, uh, go-to guy to pick up those first downs on intermediate passes. So, um both of those players are, are big-time challenges. Their offensive line, uh, again, not particularly strong run blocking for an Iowa team. Uh, I think that they've been disappointed with their inability to get that going. It was a, a weak spot heading into the season, or at least a question mark heading into the season, was who's going to carry the load for them at running back. And to be honest, I don't think they've found an answer. Uh, so if you're Indiana, you've got to keep that as a weakness for them. Don't let them get that running game on track. Uh, you know, stop the run, get them into second, third, and long situations and force Nate Stanley to find his receivers to beat you instead of those tight ends. Uh, that's not going to be easy at all, but if you can limit the damage that the tight ends do, uh, I think you feel really good about your matchups between your corners and Iowa's receivers. Uh, particularly if you can get a pass rush on Nate Stanley uh, and force him into some some errant throws. Uh, So, you know, for me, Indiana does match up decently with this Iowa team. It's just going to be a matter of executing and making those big plays when they they present themselves. Yeah, and and Iowa is – improved in their um, pass protection, allowing one sack a game as last year. They they were not very good in that, uh, in that area. So, you know, getting after court after the quarterback is going to be, is going to be key uh, for Indiana getting to them that you saw that last week when they got to Dwayne Haskins, they, they forced those interceptions. They forced the takeaways and that's going to be a, a difference in this game as well as, Ways is IU's defense going to get? Um, Iowa last year allowed 1.92 sacks per game, uh, ranked middle of the Big Ten at seven. This year they're ranked number one. Now they've given up five sacks a game, uh, and then we'll you know if they could get pressure, he'll he's uh, Nate Stan- Stanley is susceptible uh, to interceptions. He's he's thrown uh, quite a few on the year for a guy uh, who. Really Really hadn't uh, thrown the ball numbers-wise that much, uh, and, and yeah, if you could get those takeaways, it gets the crowd into it. It gets uh, IU the ball, and and it either takes points off the board for um, for Iowa or or sets up Indiana with great field position. So that is going to be uh, that's going to be key. Uh, coming in uh, for for this, so yeah, you know, they, they've thrown five picks on the year, nine touchdowns. Uh, they've only thrown the ball 146 times. They complete 62.3 percent of their passes. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what Iowa could do. It's it's not an offense that really scares you out of the two tight ends, uh, but it's one that you know could 
grind its way downfield, uh, put points up on the board, and and really uh, really be a, a headache in terms of converting fourth down, third downs, extending drives, eating up the clock. Uh, Nate Stanley's thrown four interceptions, not five. Uh, and Pittori Mansell has uh, a freshman, and mop up time has thrown a pick as well. But they're they're going to go down the field uh, and try and eat up clock. It's a Kirk Ferentz team. He's been there forever. Uh, it seems, at least to us, it's been a, a lifetime. I was uh, I was changed coaches, but we know what Kirk Ferentz is about: playing good defense, having an offense that takes its shots, but it's, it does not really take risks and has a, a medium-sized reward for, for low-risk offense. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, defensively, Iowa, they, they've picked off six passes. Uh, they, they've only had one fumble recovery, I believe. Uh, their their turnover margin isn't, isn't as great. Uh, it's only one, a plus one, in that it's, it's not your typical Iowa takeaway defense where you saw last year. Uh, where they had uh, a couple DBs who could pick off passes, score from anywhere on the field. You had Josie Jewell, who is an All-American in in the middle of the field, and then you had some defensive linemen who could play well as well. So it's kind of a different Iowa team. It's it's like bizarro Iowa. They're going to throw the ball a little bit more run, and um, and the defense, while Stout is, is really not as great, as some of these uh, Iowa teams have been in the recent past. Now, and I mean, you look played an offense that you would consider, uh, you know, elite by any means. And I, I'm really thinking Wisconsin is the only offense that they've gone against that you would say is above average. Um, Iowa State looked really good last week, but that was with the new quarterback. Uh, prior to that switch, they had not looked good on offense all year. Uh, Northern Illinois' offense is you know, average, I would say. Um, so, and in Minnesota, uh, again, I, I'd say that's probably an average offense, uh, if that. So, I don't think they've gone up against an, an offense outside of Wisconsin that you would consider even uh, above average. So, um kind of hard to get a read on their defense. They might be, they might be really good. I mean, they, they might be a legitimate top 20 defense. Um, I, I have my doubts about that though, because again, the, the two big 10 opponents that they've, that they've gone up against, you know, Wisconsin had 28 and was pretty effective most of that game. Um, and, you know, Minnesota, uh, despite having four turnovers, was was still able to score in the 30. So uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what IU's offense uh, does. I, I just hope uh, that they continue to show the aggressiveness that they showed against Ohio State. Um, you know, it, it's it's okay to take shots down the field uh, when you're playing in a close game. You know, that, that's okay to do. You don't have to get super tight uh, and revert back to only throwing, you know, five to ten yard intermediate slant passes uh, and and trying to protect the ball. Uh, that's if, if Indiana reverts to that, I'm not confident at all that uh, they'll come out of there with enough points to get a victory. 
uh, because I think the Iowa defense will creep up into the box, uh, you know, really effectively stop the run uh, because they don't have to worry about downfield passing, and then it won't test what I consider to be the weakest part of Iowa's defense right now, uh, which is the inexperience in the secondary. So I, I really, you know, the weather should be okay for IU to take shots down the field um, and show some of that little bit of creativity uh, that we saw against Ohio do So I think that Westbrook and Hale uh, and maybe even the Hoosier tight ends will be able to have uh, good days if Peyton Ramsey gives them a chance to do so. Um, and I, I, I like the way that I use defense. I think a four-two-five with the personnel that IU has, I think they'll have a shot to do pretty well against this team. Uh, you know, again, Stanley's not a guy that's going to burn you with his legs, and their running backs so far have not been particularly effective. Uh, I think that IU can, can do well against that running game. Um, it's just a question of whether or not they can get enough pressure on Stanley to prevent him from picking the defense apart, uh, just standing back in the pocket. You know, if anybody has four or five seconds to throw, uh, if they're even a remotely good quarterback, they'll be able to find somebody. Uh, I mean, you know, secondaries just are not designed to cover that well for, for four or five seconds. Somebody's going to get open uh, yeah, if, and you, Iowa, if you give a quarterback that much time. Yeah, and what Iowa's defense does well, they do sack the quarterback while they rank the last – uh, tied for last in tackles for loss. They're second in the Big Ten. Um, tied for second with Michigan with 18 sacks on the year. They only have 25 tackles for loss. So while they're not getting penetration in the run game, teams are trying to throw on them, and they do have 18 sacks. So that's something that the IU offensive line has to take into account is uh, defending the pass rush in their pass protection. Uh, Ramsey's got to get the ball out of his hands to his receivers. Uh, if they're going to run deep routes like they did last week uh, you need to give him a little bit of time maybe pull him out of the pocket and and get him to set his feet out of that and have it thrown thrown deep if he's not able to set his feet uh, that deep ball is going to go away another thing with Peyton Ramsey is he did seem to tweak his ankle last week and after he did that yeah. it seemed like he, there was not enough zip on his throws uh, it was difficult for him to stay step into it and things like that. So while Tom Allen did say that the plan was to assure Michael Penix, if Peyton Ramsey aggravates that ankle again, um, and and he's a tough kid, but there's only so much pain somebody could take before it affects their, their ability to play. And uh, if he can't put weight on that ankle and, and throw, uh, it's going to be a long day and, and maybe – as Tom Allen, two games to play with, maybe uh, you roll the dice and put Penix in there uh, to to throw the ball and, and kind of save Ramsey uh, for the, the stretch run here. And if you have to go with his quarterbacks, do that. Uh, because if Peyton Ramsey can't run and he can't step into his throws, he's not effective as a quarterback. I, I have been a big Peyton Ramsey critic. I thought he played a pretty darn good half last week in the first half and then uh, showed guts in the second half. But once once he twisted that ankle on that dive for the first down or, or whatever happened, 
uh, it seemed that his he he lost his whatever fastball he had uh, on the ball and and maybe gotten a little rattled. But if if Ramsey's played played in some big games, he's played against Michigan. Michigan State twice. He's played against the good defenses, so it's going to be something new uh, for him. And it just if he's 100 uh, percent healthy, he he could lead this team to victory. If he's hobbled, uh, IU might have to. Uh, I wouldn't say pull the plug, but might have to find an alternative way uh, to run that offense. If that means putting Michael Pennant in. Uh, and using one of those two games you have before burning his red shirt, uh, you you got to do it because this game is super duper important in terms of momentum. If you if you lose this one, you're you're staring at four and four uh, going to Minnesota after playing Penn State at home. If you win, you're at least guaranteed to go to Minnesota five and three, uh, and and looking good. And if you get out of October. Um, you know, with the win at Minnesota, you get out of it with six wins, uh, or at least five wins, and, and you're you're feeling pretty good uh, with the last three game, getting one in the last three games against Maryland, Michigan, and Purdue. But all right, TJ, let's go uh, predictions. Well, I, you know, I, I continue to pick Indiana in big games, uh, and of course. More often than not, that ends up being incorrect. Um, I really do not know. Uh, I'll be 100% transparent here. Uh, I don't know. I do not have a good read on this game. I do not know. Uh, the only thing I can feel very confident in is that IU is going to play really hard. Uh, you know, multiple national people that, that were there for the Ohio State-Indiana game, of course, to see Ohio State. Uh all commented about how hard Indiana played uh, for Tom Allen and the, the effort that uh, that they gave and the uh, the fact that they just didn't blink, didn't back down for the Buckeyes, um, and that that was noticeable on TV as well. And that uh, that that's really encouraging. Um, you know, I I know that the skeptic would say, well, of course they should play hard. They, you know, every uh, it, it's one thing to give effort, another to uh, to give the kind of effort that, that Indiana was giving, and it, it was noticed by non-IU fans like uh, Bruce Feldman, for one, uh, that mentioned it on his podcast, uh, The Audible. Um, so I, I'm confident IU's going to play really hard. Uh, I'm confident they're going to play well. I'm not confident that they're going to make those 50-50 plays uh, that are going to be the difference in a close ball game. I'm I just have to see it. I have to see it. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I kind of think it's going to be another homecoming heartbreak against the Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa wins 27-24 um, in a, a game that um, I think is going to be a nail biter the whole way. Yeah, yeah. You said a, a lot of good points there, TJ, especially on uh, you know the effort. And you know, Indiana played really hard. They did. It wasn't these games where they just gave up in the second half and the fourth quarter just let uh, Ohio State or one of these top teams score at will. They they battled them to the end. They just lack the talent that Ohio State has. And 
95% of the teams in the country lack the talent that Ohio State has. Uh, so I, I think the crowd is going to play a big factor in this game. Uh, it's homecoming. It, it's, you know, your your team is 4-2. They come off of a, a solid showing against Ohio State. And if that stadium is half full of kickoff, I think that drains Indiana's energy a little bit. But if you if, if students show up, if alumni show up, and, and that stadium's 80% full uh, by kickoff and 100% full by, um, you know, by the middle of the first quarter, that energy is going to give them a lift and a boost. And, and you know, from talking to players and coaches, that really does make a difference uh, both ways. Sometimes, you know, in a stadium is hard, too. And uh, to get your energy up for opponents, but uh, that energy is going to be a, a big difference, I, I think. And then just you know, getting guys back healthy. Uh, you hope that Coy Cronk could return. Uh, that will help the IU's offense. You hope that they get Wap and Luke Timian back. That that extends that wide receiver so much to have to, uh, you know guys, a reliable guy like Luke Timian and an explosive player like Wap Fillier. Uh, to stretch that that young Hawkeye uh, secondary, you know, we'll see. And then, you know, just not – and I said it against Michigan State, and I think it caught up to them, but not let the moment get the best of you. Uh, this is, a, a, again, a great opportunity. People will say it's a great opportunity all week. Uh, it's a great opportunity for Indiana to win in front of a homecoming crowd against a real beatable opponent. And they have it with homecoming, I, I believe, since like 2008 or 2009, um, at least since Kevin Wilson has been there. And so good showing for, you know, that homecoming crowd and all of that. So, you know, we'll see what they could do. Uh, to me, key to the game, I use receivers against the secondary. If I could, could get that passing game going, they'll, they'll – They'll be they'll be fine. They should be okay. And then if uh, the defense could create the takeaways that are needed uh, for that, they should be uh, good as well. I'm gonna say I I, I really think IU could win this game uh, if they play well. I think they do. Uh, and I, I'm gonna say Indiana 24, uh, Iowa 21 uh, in, in a close one, but it's a game that Indiana has kind of turned into a must win for their program. I mean, yeah, we hesitate, or at least I do to, to say that because I still do think, you know, a loss here, uh, while damaging it, you know, you still have Minnesota, Maryland, and Purdue, uh, and you still only have to win two of those to get to a bowl game, which for me is kind of the, um, the barometer for where things are right now. Uh, but, uh, certainly things look and feel a heck of a lot better uh, at five and two as opposed to four and three uh, with with Penn State coming in, which is going to be a, a likely L, uh, which, you know, would drop you to, to four and four uh, if you lost against Iowa and, um, you know, a three-game losing streak heading to Minnesota for a primetime Friday game. Obviously things would, would not uh, – would not be too positive heading into that. So it's a big one. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's going to be a, 
like we both feel it's going to be a game decided by a couple of those 50-50 plays that, uh, you know, whoever wins is going to make the plays and whoever loses uh, the team that doesn't. And that's that's simplistic, but sometimes that's all that, that a good football game between two solid teams, that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. and, and hopefully this is a week where IU is able to to make those plays they did against Virginia, um, and they did not against Michigan State. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's uh, I'm really excited for it, uh, and I, I I really do think it's a um, a game that is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but really stressful uh, for IU faithful to, to sit through. Hopefully, hopefully it ends uh, positively, and we can get an actual homecoming win. One of the rarest things there is for IU football. Yeah, and, and what uh, what's IU football is not stressful, um, but, you know, going into this game, IU can't be, uh, can't start the game like what they had against Michigan State, miss a deep throw, throw a pick six, and get into a 14 nothing hole. They need to get out in front, uh, make some plays. You don't need to, to rush out to a big lead, but don't shoot yourself in the foot. Control the tempo, control field position, put points on the board. Uh, and just if you get out of that first quarter within either up a touchdown or within three points, you're sitting pretty uh, the rest of the way. Uh, and that that's my take. All right, TJ, thanks for joining us on this Thursday night. And uh, we'll – Talk again on Monday. Absolutely. Yeah, have a good uh, homecoming weekend, everybody. Yep. Well, that does it for the Hoosier podcast tonight. It is homecoming weekend. Check the, you know, all your traffic apps for traffic going down on Friday and Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. The weather is supposed to be perfect fall weather, 50s, some sunshine, things like that. Game kicks off at noon. It's on ESPN, too, if you can't make it to Bloomington. Uh, check your local listings. Keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football coverage. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. And enjoy the weekend. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. 
It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 